Good morning, and happy Palm Sunday. This is uh, we often refer to as Holy Week. A lot of things are going to be happening. Um, I, I do want to make a uh, mention a particular service. Um, a lot of churches in Holy Week will have, of course, they have Palm Sunday and Easter, but they'll often have a Good Friday service. Uh, we do not. That's not part of our tradition, but we do have a Monday Thursday service, Thursday evening. And just so you have that word Monday, M-A-U-N-D-Y, it's from a Latin word that means commandment. Speaking of um, the, the great commandment to love one another, and it sort of celebrates um, the, the, the Last Supper uh, that, that, that the Lord had on that Passover. And in some circles, they actually do a foot washing. That's not part of our, our communion. Um, but we, all, we do um, take, have communion, uh, we do have the Lord's Supper. We will celebrate that. And it's a service where it's sort of characterized as we move through the service, it kind of gets darker and darker in here, and then finally um, we file out very slowly afterwards together, and it's, it's, it's um, not pitch dark, but darker, and we go outside there and we, um, we drape a, a, a black shroud or cloth around the, uh, around the cross, read a final scripture and blow out a final candle, and then depart in peace, and it's, it's in, in silence. And it is a, uh, it's, it's a very meaningful uh, time for a lot of people. It's a service I think you'll love. Um, but it's this Thursday, Monday, Thursday. It begins at 7 p.m. Okay, it's a little later than sometimes our evening things because we want it to, uh, you know, the darkness to, to help us with that. So in the next Easter, of course, we have Easter service. Now, if it's going to be nice, it's kind of pretty nice right now, we're going to be outside one service at 11 a.m. Okay, it'll be a big service, but it will be outside for the Easter service. But if that's not possible, um, we're going to be inside. We're going to actually have three services, 9, 10, and 11. Only the 9 o'clock service will be a mass service. The 10 and the 11 o'clock services, kind of like here, uh, you can leave them on if you want, but we ask you to enter and leave with them on, but you can take them off once you're in, in here as part of the service. Uh, so that's next Easter, and like usual, we will uh, send out a, a notice on Sunday just letting you know exactly if it's going to be, uh, if we're going to be outside or not. Um, which brings us uh, to this little, you'll see a little uh, um, tab there in, in your pews, and you can use that, and what you do, um, that's a Q, uh, was it a QR code, and you can get your phone on there and take a picture of it and push the button, and it'll take you through it, but it'll basically take you to um, a, a number of things, but it'll take you to uh, the, the bulletin uh, that you can have on on, on, on your um, iPhone, uh, and uh, it'll also take you for uh, if you have you want to register as a visitor. Uh, I do want you to know that you know we've had somebody, even some people call this week and say, "Hey, didn't know y'all were meeting outside." Um, if you want to kind of be on our registration list when we kind of move things around as we're doing in the, this pandemic season, even hopefully for the end of it here, um, we'll send out a notice to you. You'll be on that that text that we'll send out and say, "Hey, we're outside, 11 a.m. or we're inside." So I really encourage you. Um, to, to be a part, uh, to be a part of that. Um, only other things remember: Tuesday night um, we're having our ART meeting, our monthly ART meeting with the Association for Reformed Theology, and we'll be uh, uh, talking uh, about the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about the calling of God on our lives. It's going to be Tuesday night. It's here in the sanctuary at seven o'clock. Um, some are reading books, kind of going through it, but you don't have to be reading it all to be a, come and be a part of that. And so I really want to encourage you to do that. One last thing, I know there's a lot, but uh, if you want to go ahead and um, uh, have a lily uh, in memory of someone, 
someone or in honor some of someone, please fill out one of these forms. You can put it in the place we put the offering. Um, you can also just give it to me or leave it on the counter out there. We'll make sure uh, that it's put in there. And uh, I think today is the last day for that. Well, church, what a pleasure it is to worship with you this Palm Sunday. If you would, please stand with me as we sing about the triumphant entry of Christ into Jerusalem. Jesus, 
saves us, worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna, come have your way among us. We welcome you here, Lord Uh, go ahead and have a seat for a little while. We're going to take a page from the Catholics and just sit you down, stand you up, sit you down, stand you up, and get your exercise. Uh, if you have liked, if you like church and you've missed church, well, this is the week for you. You're going to get to have as much church as you want because we've got church on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. I mean, just what do you want to do? We got something for you. Uh, Tuesday night here in the sanctuary, we have. Uh, our um, ART class, which is Association for Reformed Theology, uh, real heavy, deep theology stuff, uh, such as I've given it all over to Jim to teach this time, Jim and Weston. going to be up here talking about Reformed Theology. It's uh, 7 o'clock on Tuesday night. Wednesday night, we have uh, our normal Wednesday night programming. Uh, we have, it starts with dinner in our fellowship center at 5.30. Jim, what are we eating? Red beans and rice. How about that? You can, don't have to have a reservation, just come, and uh, we'll probably be, if it's nice, we'll be eating it. Or lobster and steak, one of the two. <laughs> well, we, haven't, we haven't decided. You'll just have to come and see, right? First time's free. Come hang out, have a meal, stay late for a Bible study. We've got kids program, children's programming, uh, youth, adult, the whole deal. Uh, and then Thursday night is, as Jim has mentioned earlier, on Monday, Thursday service, uh, which is, uh, let me kind of explain how that goes, right? It is kind of that service where... You read of Jesus' death, and it's somber, and it's dark, and uh, you start with seven candles up on the stage, six candles of the Christ candle, and every time an elder comes up and reads another part of the uh, crucifixion story, we snuff out a candle, and the minute that that candle's snuffed out, you'll notice that house lights dim like 10%. You snuff out another candle, the house lights dim 10%, until the end, the only light is left in the sanctuary, it's pretty dark, is, is the Christ candle, and we take it out the back. And uh, it's followed by a, a shroud that's carried that looks like the body of Christ. And we drape that on the cross. And uh, one last um, scripture is read, and we just kind of turn and leave in silence. No one's talking, and it's just this real, like, kind of dark, hopeless moment. And it sets up just really kind of perfect for the resurrection on Easter. Um, so uh, we think it's a great service. We hope Thursday night it starts at 7, that you can come and be a part of that. Um, this Friday, many of us went and did mission we were um, in downtown Jackson with uh, Shower Power, Mississippi. We, uh, we, we got the opportunity to engage with 75 uh, homeless individuals. And thanks to Legends Bar and Grill, they gave us all the, all the food that we brought over there, didn't charge us. Uh, Y'all should go there for lunch or something and uh, tip your waitress and waiters, right? Um, we, 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 we had a great month of mission with them. Our next month of mission, uh, I want to tell you about what we're focusing on. It's, it's between now and May 1st. And uh, it's the Center for Pregnancy Choices. Now, the Center for Pregnancy Choices works uh, uh, to uh, get rid of abortions in this area. And uh, apparently in the Tri-County area, uh, Hines County, Rankin County, Madison County, there are 60 abortions per week. And um, that's a lot. It's a lot of babies um, who don't have a voice. And so what we would like to do, it's our goal as a church, and it's a bold goal, is to give $10,000 
towards uh, the Center for Pregnancy Choices by May 1st. Uh, now, I don't have a fund that says uh, Center for Pregnancy Choices. I may, but it doesn't have much money in it. Um, so what I'm asking is that in addition to your tithe that you consider supporting Center for Pregnancy Choices in the next month, that maybe write a little check and drop it in the plate and we'll collect all that and write them a big check. We, we believe it's worth it. I've got a video I wanna show you uh, uh, that's really emotional about uh, like some of the ministry and work that they do. So why don't we watch that now? The moment I found out I was pregnant, I was so full of emotions. I cried and cried and cried, I couldn't believe it. I took three pregnancy tests, I just couldn't believe it. And I just didn't know what, what my next move was going to be. Because I, I had just started school. Well, I had just finished my first semester in school, and, I was, and I've been doing so good. So I just didn't know what I was going to do. I was confused. I was devastated. So I called the abortion clinic to make an appointment. And when I made the, made the appointment, the appointment was two weeks out. So I knew I really didn't want to have an abortion, but I really didn't want to have the baby because of the situation and circumstances. So I knew that two weeks out was a long time. It, it seemed like forever. And I knew I couldn't wait two weeks. It was, it was gonna, I was gonna lose my mind if I had to wait two weeks to get the abortion. So at that moment I told my child's father that the, the appointment was two weeks out and it was kind of too much time. And he made the, he, he found the, the um, CPC and he thought it was an abortion clinic and he gave me the number I called. I made the appointment. The appointment was like two days later. She told me on the phone that it wasn't an abortion clinic, but she kind of gave me some details about what it was. So I went to the appointment and maybe an hour into the appointment, I knew that I wasn't gonna have the abortion. Even when leaving the CPC saying, I don't want to have the abortion, I'm going to keep the child. I still wasn't excited about it because I didn't feel like I had the support. But when Miss Betty contacted me in, she's been in contact with me, we talk almost every day. Just having that love and support and just letting me know that she's here for me and the embrace grace, definitely embrace grace. It just, it just gave me so much support and so much happiness and love and joy. I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. I don't know how anything could be more clear about you. When you start talking about that baby, your face just lights up. That is, that is the joy of the Lord on you. That is having grace and knowing that you are loved and that you are chosen and that you are enough. I see it all the time, me going to the client center the other day, it was, it was God, it was all God. And it was just amazing how what he meant for bad because he, he sent me there thinking it was abortion clinic. What he meant for bad, God meant for good. If it had not been for CPC Embrace Grace, Miss Betty, I wouldn't be sitting here today. This child wouldn't be here today. I'm very grateful. I am very grateful.
I am very, I'm very grateful. This is a story of a woman whose life was changed because of the CPC and the support of Life Champions. This ministry does make a difference. Well, we believe that it makes a difference. We believe that it's a ministry worth supporting, and that is a powerful video. And uh, we stand with mothers who have to make a tough decision like this. We stand with those who have had to make a tough decision like this and have, have chosen to have an abortion. Our hearts go out to you. Um, um, but this is a ministry that's worth our support. If you, if you were watching at home on the live stream, you'll notice that the video cut out. That is because we don't have the mother's permission to use that video online. We just have to stream, we stream the audio only, but didn't show the video of it. She, she's from the area, she still lives around here. She says, listen, use it in churches, but don't put it online. So, so that's why you weren't able to see that video as it went out. All right, it's time to do what we came here to do. It's time to worship Christ our Lord. And so be called to worship uh, our, our tradition is, is to say together the Apostles' Creed. It is one of the oldest creeds of the church. It's an ecumenical creed. It's, it's held by Baptists, Methodists, everyone. Uh, there, there's, there's some words in there that confuse people sometimes, right? We say, uh, we, 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 we talk about the Holy Catholic Church, and I want you to know we're not talking about Roman Catholics, okay? We are talking about the church universal, all churches, right? That's why we say that. So if you're able, please stand. And uh, we usually start it by me asking you this question, Christian what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, stay standing as we worship together. Praise to thee now, my 
congregational prayer we, we also ask God to bless our offerings remember we're not uh, this time passing the, the plate um, uh, but we do have a plates on either corner of the banisters at this end and then we have two boxes at the, at the end of the last pew um, if you uh, desire to give you can put your um, offering there also any offerings that you might do for uh, the uh, um, CPC, the Center for Pregnancy Choices. Make sure you get that in the memo, what that is. Um, we'll be talking about this for the next three or four weeks, so you'll have plenty of opportunity to do that. Um, but uh, just so we, you would also just put that in, and, and we will um, make sure that goes where it needs to go. Uh, the prophet Zechariah um, says something that is picked up in the, in, in the gospel accounts on the great day of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And Zechariah writes, he says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, the God of all mercy, our creator and our recreator, we rejoice in the love you have given us, the compassion you have poured out upon us in Jesus. Our King has come to us, humble yet adorned with salvation, bringing righteousness, the power of God for salvation to those who believe. We have been blessed with this fullness of grace and truth, a fullness that is never exhausted. We see that grace in his incarnation, our Lord becoming poor that we may be rich. By grace, 
He learned obedience by his suffering that we may be made perfect. By grace, he endured the cross that we would be more than conquerors in him. By grace, he was raised to be shown to be the Son of God, taking captivity captive and gave gifts to men. By grace, forever he makes intercession for his people so that he can perfectly save all that would come to him. And by grace he sits at the right hand of the majesty on high, working your perfect will for our good and the glory of the triune God. Lord, as we celebrate this Palm Sunday, let us see him who set his face to go to Jerusalem, despising the coming shame for the joy set before him, the divine plan of redemption, he will justify the many. Strengthen us to set our face to follow him, taking up our cross daily, for the joy set before us, the divine affirmation, well done, good and faithful servant. This day, Father, give by your spirit ears to hear and eyes to see your kingdom. Let us discern well the deceptive corruptions of our hearts. Let us sorrow well, bringing forth change with our repentance. Let us suffer well, knowing the discipline of the Lord brings about his character. And let us live Christ well, proving to be his disciple to the nations. Father, bless today our worship through our giving in honor of your mission. Indeed, make your rule be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. All things we ask in the name of Jesus, your Son, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
he shall return in robes of white the blazing sun shall pierce the
center part of any worship service at Lakeside is the Word of God. So that's what we preach. That's what we do today is we, we gather around the Word of God to hear it read, to hear it proclaimed. Uh, today's Palm Sunday. It is the Sunday prior to Easter. It's generally what we consider to be the beginning of Holy Week. 
And uh, what do you know about Holy Week? Holy Week's uh, the last week of Jesus' earthly life, and a lot, a lot happens on Holy Week, so much so that, like, if you were to take uh, the Gospel of John, there's 21 chapters in the Gospel of John, the Holy Spirit's going to use the first 12 of those chapters to describe 30 years of Jesus' life. But once you get to John 12, 12, pretty much from there on out, except for a few verses in John 21, it's all about the last week in Jesus' life. It's all about Holy Week. There's a lot of the gospel there that happens in that one week. So let's talk about that last week of Jesus' life together. We're going to read from two verses of Scripture today. Normally we just have one at the beginning, but we're going to be reading from two. Our first reading is going to be John 12, 12 through 18. And then we're going to read Matthew 11, 2 through 6. Um, we will put all those up on the screens if you want to follow along up there. If you'd like to, you can find that in your Bible as well. Uh, it is our tradition to stand when the Word of God is read. It's a thing of reverence for us. It's a thing of positioning our hearts. You don't want to sleep through the Word of God. So I'm going to invite you now to stand. It's also our tradition to uh, pray to the Spirit, to pray to the Lord our God uh, before we approach His Word. So would you bow your heads with me? Father, we submit our lives to You and to Your revelation and Your Holy Word. May the power of Your Holy Spirit, may You quicken these, these words and quicken our hearts. That they convict us of sin and encourage us in the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. We'll start with our reading in John 12, beginning in the 12th verse. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of the palm trees, and they went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard that he had done this sign. And now to Matthew, the 11th chapter, beginning in verse 2. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ... He sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who's to come? Or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, You go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. And the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Church, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. And this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So our story, it's going to start in a small village called Bethany. Now, Bethany is a it's really only a short two-mile walk from Jerusalem. It's the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. 
And whenever Jesus comes to Jerusalem, as he often does, it's Bethany where he stays. You know, uh, he stays with his friends. He's got a short two-mile walk into the city there. And something has just happened in Bethany that is unbelievable. Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, Lazarus was not dead for hours or minutes. Lazarus was dead for days. Uh, he was decomposing. He was stinking. And in front of a large crowd of people, large crowd of people, Jesus raised Lazarus to life. Uh, this wasn't just one or two people. This was dozens, maybe hundreds of people who saw this. Why were there so many people around? Well, it was almost time for the Passover feast. And during the time of religious festivals, Jerusalem would swell up to four times its normal population. It would cause people to have to uh, go to nearby villages like Bethany to find a place to stay for the night. But in addition to that, uh, when Lazarus had died, many had come to grieve with the sisters. And here's what's interesting, especially if you think back just two weeks to what we preached on. Oftentimes, Jesus would instruct his disciples that they were to tell no one that he was the Christ. It's called the Messianic secret. Remember when, when Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, Christ says, don't tell anybody. It, 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 can you imagine what would happen if they knew that Jesus was the Messiah, uh, the one the prophets wrote about? The, the, size, of, the size of the crowds would double. Um, the threats on Jesus' life would be more deadly. All this is in the head of Jesus. But when it comes to raising Lazarus from the dead, He's just, just two miles from Jerusalem, a few days before a Passover, in front of a huge crowd. Jesus is no longer hiding his identity. The time is at hand for him to reveal to the world who he is. And as expected, these, these crowds kind of scurry away into Jerusalem, and they start to tell everybody what's just happened. Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. We've witnessed it with our own eyes. John's gospel tells us that the people in, New, in nearby Jerusalem, when they heard this, they wanted to see Jesus. And, and as much as they wanted to see Jesus, it's, it says in, in John's gospel, they wanted to see Lazarus alive. And it says that because of what he's done in healing Lazarus, that many people were believing in Jesus and what exactly does that mean for the people in, in Jerusalem to believe in Jesus? I mean, he's right over there. So it's not a matter of does he exist. They can, they can see him. He's coming to town. They can look at Jesus. Uh, what I believe he means that they believe in Jesus is that they believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That's what's happening. Because he's raising Lazarus, they now believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And this infuriates the chief priests, and they decide right away that Jesus has to die. And so they begin to make plans. Uh, Jesus knew that, that his time would come when people found out he was the Messiah. But the time is at hand. And so Jesus will make his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, and the crowds will fight for a spot to be able to see Jesus, and they will wave their palm branches, and they will shout out, Hosanna, which means what? Save us. Look, at me, uh, look with me at some of the details of the text. We'll put them up here. John 12, 12 through 13 says this. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Okay, very important question to understand this sermon. Who does the crowd think that Jesus is? Okay. 
We asked this question just two weeks ago. Who, who do people say that I am? Remember, that's what Jesus asked of his disciples. And do you remember what they told him at that time? They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet of old. And remember, he asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter said, you're the Christ. He said, don't tell anybody. But things have changed. Lazarus and all. Like, people know who he is. And uh, so who does this crowd think Jesus is now? What I want to suggest to you is that now they think he's the Messiah. That's why they shout out Hosanna. That's why they say, save us. Uh, that's why they uh, say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's why they call him the king of Israel, because they believe that he's the Messiah. Today's sermon is entitled, Palm Sunday, Is Jesus a Disappointment? And the reason that I would say something so scandalous it's because that's exactly what Jesus would end up as for the crowd in Jerusalem. He would be to them a disappointment. And here's how that works. Here's how, it happens when you have certain expectations, and those expectations are not met. Like if you expect your team to win the Super Bowl, and they make it to the playoffs, but they lose in the playoffs, you're disappointed because your expectations weren't met. But if you, if you like, think your team's not very good, and all of a sudden they make it to the playoffs, well, you have the same result, but based on your expectations, you, you're either disappointed or you're not. And the crowd had a certain expectations of the Messiah, right? When Jesus is identified as the Messiah, they go, well, we have expectations of what a Messiah is. They expected that he would, leave an, he would lead an uprising, they expected that they would no longer have to pay Roman taxes or live under Roman occupation. That, that Jesus would drive out, or he would raise up an army and drive out the Romans. But that wasn't God's plan for the Messiah. And if, maybe if the crowd was more familiar with Scripture, they would have been familiar with Psalm 22, which describes the horrors of crucifixion for the Messiah. Or maybe they would have been familiar with Isaiah 53, which, which taught that the Messiah was pierced for our transgressions was crushed for our iniquities. So it's interesting, when, when the crowd, when it came to Jesus, they, they got his identity right. They knew who he was. They knew he was the Messiah. They just got his mission wrong. They didn't know what his mission was. They had no idea that the mission of the Messiah was to come and was to suffer and to die as a ransom for his people. And because their expectations were not met, they were disappointed. And the same crowd that would shout Hosanna on Sunday, by Friday they would shout what? Crucify him. What do you know about disappointment? Have, have you ever been disappointed? I, I guess we all have at, at one time or another, I suppose. I can remember one specific Christmas in Texas. And uh, we were living, my wife and I were living in Amarillo. And we had two small kids. And we went to go visit my mom and dad who lived in Lubbock. And uh, uh, I think almost everyone was in bed. I just remember kind of being a really good husband and going, it's time to survey the presents. And so I was looking at the trees like, what do I got for Riley? She's good. What do I got for Kale? He's good. What about Cammy? And as I started thinking about what I got for my wife, I started going, man, that's a little light. It's just, it's, you know, and I thought I got her like seven things. I got her five. I think I'd, sp I'd spent what we'd agree to spend, but at the end, it just didn't look like much. And I'm committed to spoil that woman, and so I headed off in the night to Walmart. <laughs> then on Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, because I'm, listen, nothing's too good for her. And uh, walking the, the, the halls of Walmart, what would Cammie want? What, to, what can I, and so I see it there, and it was immediate to me, a brilliant gift. It was a stainless steel, like, and she had asked for it, not for Christmas, but she'd said, I really like those stainless steel trash cans. 
And so I said to myself, perfect. Stainless steel trash can. And, and guys, can I just be honest with you? It wasn't cheap. It was, probably, it was probably almost as much as I'd spent on everything else. But I was like, nothing's too good for this woman. And so I get stainless steel trash can. It comes in a big box. I get home. And like any man worth his weight in gold, I, you know, I, I use about a whole roll of, of wrapping paper to wrap this thing up and slap a bow on it. And uh, uh, move it under the tree. She gets up the next morning. She's like, hey, that big box wasn't there last night. You know, and, she's, and, and we open all the presents. We open all the presents. And she doesn't touch that one. And occasionally she'll look over at me and smile. And <laughs> listen, I'm so dumb. Here's what I'm thinking. She's going to be so excited. <laughs> I'm thinking, this is going to go so well. And so, you know, I can say with great certainty that uh, she was not excited when she opened her big, like, I don't know what her imagination had in the giant box that showed up overnight before Christmas. You know, what, what, what good gifts for a wife come in a big box, but she had something, you know. Um, and some of you have, have experienced things like this sometimes with relationships. Uh, maybe uh, when it comes to your marriage, um, you thought your marriage would be like, you kind of had some expectations, and then five to ten years later, it's like a trash can. <laughs> and it happens all the time, not just in marriages. It, friends, family, coworkers. Whenever you have relationships with people, you run the risk of having these unmet expectations. And we, we could really dive off into that idea and just spend a long time there, but that's not this sermon, right? That's not what today's about. Today's sermon deals with the question, what do you do when you have expectations of God and your expectations are not met? So you are left disappointed in the Lord. And some of y'all are looking at me like, I've never felt that way, Tyson, uh, because I'm a mature Christian, and I know better than to be disappointed with the Lord. But let me tell you how it happens. It happens when you're going through life, and you're hoping in Jesus, you're trusting in Jesus, just like the crowd did, by the way. And all of a sudden, God's work in your life is not what you expected. Right? You're laid off, and you're embarrassed. And you think, Lord, how can this be your plan for my life? I expected something different. Or maybe you're heading into retirement and you've got these big plans of what retirement's going to look like. You've worked for 45 years and right before retirement or right after uh, your spouse of 50 years dies and it's not the retirement you had planned. Or maybe your child is, is diagnosed with leukemia. Tell me in that moment that you wouldn't be disappointed. And that some of that disappointment might fall to the Lord and that you might find yourself saying, Lord, this is not what I expected. A great example of this kind of in real life is, is Ted Turner. You familiar with Ted Turner? He owns CNN, TBS, a few others. He's a t television mogul. And uh, a lot of people know Ted Turner. His, his, uh, I think he was on the cover of Time Magazine of Man, Man of the Year in the 90s. Uh, early in his life, Ted Turner uh, believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And he wanted actually to be a missionary to tell others about Jesus. But all that changed for Ted Turner when his baby sister contracted kind of a really rare form of lupus. And she died a painful childhood death. And uh, somehow shook Ted Turner to his very core, this idea of who God was. 
This is what he said. Turner's quote. I was taught that God was love and God was powerful. And I couldn't understand how someone so innocent should be made or allowed to suffer. And so I lost faith. And any of you who've kept up with Ted Turner's life know that that's a, a giant understatement, right? Um, Turner would later say that Christianity was a religion for losers. Um, he, he at one point had said that he hoped that the Pope would step on a landmine, and he told all of his employees at CNN that if they wanted to have Ash Wednesday off as a holiday, they should go work for Fox News. There's just a great anger inside Ted Turner. His expectations for God weren't met. He expected God to save his sister, and when he didn't, he fell away from the only one who could bring him peace. A lot of people in the Bible who knew Jesus was the Messiah. You know who may be the first person in the Bible to know that Jesus was the Messiah? I mean, I, I think we maybe be able to answer that, like Mary, uh, uh, but, you know, the prophets, you know. But, but, but like a lot of people think, okay, well, it's Peter because, you know, he first asked him and Peter first has that confession, I know who you are. But I want to suggest that even before that, like at the time of Jesus' baptism, there's a profession that he's the Christ, he's the Messiah, and it comes from John the Baptist. John 1, 29 says this, the next day... John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So John's one of the first people to recognize that Jesus was the Messiah. Like the crowd, he knew who Jesus was, but unlike the crowd, he even knew Jesus' mission because he says he came to take away the sins of the world. And, and while he very clearly knows about this, something changes from, from John 1 and Matthew 3 to when he gets to Matthew 11. John the Baptist will say something about Jesus in, in Matthew 11 that's very strange. It's very interesting. Listen, uh, Matthew 11, 2 and 3. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? How interesting is that? I mean, back in, back in chapter 1 of, of John and back in chapter 3 of Matthew, John knows that Jesus is the Messiah. He seems to, to have no doubt about it. He's like, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John, John says, you should be baptizing me, Jesus. I shouldn't be baptizing you. And then he even sees the, the, the dove descend on Jesus in the baptism. He's, he's got everything to know that Jesus is who he says he is. So how in the world is, is John the Baptist now sending his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one or should we expect somebody else? What's going on here? What's changed? I'll tell you what's changed. Prison. A year in prison. He was arrested by Herod Antipas uh, for speaking out against Herod's, Herod's marriage. And, and I don't know what happens in prison that Herod runs, but I'm sure it's not good, and it's not what John expected in his life. And you better bet there was probably some disappointment, maybe in what the mission of the Messiah was, and, and, and maybe even in Jesus. Maybe he thought, now that Jesus, the, the Lamb of God was here, that he wouldn't have to go to prison. But now he's left asking, are you the one, or is there going to be someone else? Because I don't think John ever expected to suffer like that. I think he had different expectations for the Messiah. I think some of you might be offended by the idea that we could preach a sermon today entitled, Does Jesus Disappoint You? But I think the honest biblical truth is a lot of people at some point 
grow disappointed in Jesus. That's obviously the story of those on Palm Sunday who shout Hosanna and then crucify him. It's the story of Ted Turner. It's the story, in some ways, of John the Baptist. And my guess is, my guess is if we were to have honest time in the sanctuary today, some in the room might just say, yeah, I have had some expectations of the Lord and some expectations of the way my life would go. And honestly, I'm a little disappointed. What do you do when you feel that way? What does Jesus say to John's disciples when they ask, um, are you the one or should we expect someone else? Matthew uh, 11, 4 and 5. And Jesus answered them. He said, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Categorically here, I mean, think about it. There's basically two responses. Uh, The first response is this. Jesus tells John's disciples, have a look around. Look what's happening in our community. These blind people are seeing. These lame people are walking. The deaf can hear. Do you think this is a coincidence? Do you think another should come? Look at what is happening. Amazing things in our midst. And the second message that Jesus has for John the Baptist is really interesting and just as scandalous as anything else we've said today. Jesus says in verse 6, Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. It's almost crazy to have to say, isn't it, right? Like that blessed is the person who's not offended in Jesus, or who Jesus doesn't get in the way of their faith, or, or who because of Jesus they don't fall away, some translations say. See, you see, Jesus knew that people were going to be disappointed. They knew that, he knew that they were going to get his mission wrong. The expectations of the crowd on Palm Sunday were for an uprising, right? The expectations of Ted Turner was a little sister who was made whole and healed. The expectation of John the Baptist was to get out of prison. I don't know what your expectation is. And yet, none of those people can really see what's truly happening. Jesus is very much leading an uprising. It's not an uprising against Rome. It's against hell and death, and it's much more permanent. Jesus is very much healing Ted Turner's sister, and he isn't healing her temporary earthly body. Instead, he is healing her for all of eternity that she may dwell with him in glory. Jesus is very much setting John the Baptist free, but it's not free from Herod's prison. It's freedom from bondage and sin and the wrath of God. And they're all disappointed because they can't see it. Jesus is giving everyone in the scenario the desire of their heart. And it's even better than they could ever imagine, and they can't see it. What are the chances... It's the same for you and me. Maybe you're sick and you're disappointed. You've prayed for the Lord to heal your loved one and and, and they didn't and they died. Maybe you can't find a job and, and it seems like Jesus did nothing. I think what I would say to you is that if only you could see what Jesus was really doing. That's the heart of faith. Trusting in what the Lord is doing. Not just trusting that that Jesus existed, 
Not, just, not even just trusting like the crowd did that Jesus is the Messiah, but to trust that what Jesus did on the cross and what his Holy Spirit is doing in your life is good and it's profitable and, and it is for a purpose and, and that the Lord will redeem all of your sufferings. So I invite you this Palm Sunday morning to not be like the crowd, to trust instead in Jesus. Blessed is the man who is not offended by Jesus, but rather trusts in him unwaveringly, even in the midst of life's disappointments. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we confess to you to be fickle at times. We know, Christ, that you are the Messiah. We know that you have come as a ransom for many, for the forgiveness of sins by your atoning blood. And yet we're disappointed when life isn't easy. Forgive us, Lord. Strengthen our faith. Give us the courage to uh, come to you with our brokenness as opposed to run from you and be angry at you and be disappointed in you. God, I, I confess to you, even in praying this prayer, that I'm a man who doesn't know suffering. So I think it's easy. And I pray that you would put a strength in me so that the day that I do have to endure heartache that would crush many people, that I would have the hope of the Lord in me. And I pray the same for my friends, Lord. Father, as we head into this holy week, we pray that you would be at the center of it. We would understand the suffering of Jesus and be at a place where we can rejoice in the resurrection on Easter morning. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. I think there are really two main takeaways from today's sermon that you need to remember if you want to be successful in life. The first is never buy your wife a trash can for Christmas. This is one that you need to hold on to. Learn from my failures, friends. The second is this. When your expectations for the Lord don't match up with the call of the Messiah to save your soul, it's an issue of faith, isn't it? Do you trust that God, that the Lord, that Christ Jesus is, is in all your sufferings, even there, redeeming you for the day of glory? Have faith, my friends. Um, go now, and as you do, take with you the love of God, the grace of Christ Jesus' Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit until we meet once again. Let's sing once more.
Church, what a joy it's been to worship with you this Palm Sunday. Until next week, God bless.